right. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, Carl here. Uh, but usually Josh starts this thing off, and Josh is not here. Pastor Josh is uh, away today with some of uh, of the leaders in in our in our denomination today, um, learning and, and growing and spending time together. And so I'm here. I'm doing the thing that Josh usually does. But I do have a, a very special guest with us today, Pastor Marv. Great to be here. Thanks, Thank, girl. Well, thanks for for coming and uh, and helping talk about this last week of of finances and money and the things that you know obviously are are very personal to a lot of us. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know if it was I don't know if Pastor Josh planned this, but he left this last question for us, and he he didn't he didn't show up. I'm not sure why, but he didn't show up for this last question, and that is. Is it wrong to be in debt? Right. So that's a big, big question. So maybe we could just, you know, obviously debt is something that all of us to some degree are familiar with. Yes. Maybe some more than others. Just wondering if you have some general thoughts about debt and like, does the Bible actually even talk about debt? Right. The scriptures actually have a lot to say about money and indebtedness is would be in in the mix in terms of, of what the scriptures address. So let me let me just go to a word in Proverbs because there's there's nowhere in the scriptures where it says thou shalt not be in debt mm. or thou shalt be in debt. It, it's it's <laughs> neither of those. So we have to draw from some of the wisdom and the principles and particularly what God um, laid out in the law for his his covenant people back in the old testament but i think of the uh verse in proverbs where where it talks about the the lender is slave to the borrower the the basic principle is that debt is it will always leave you in a position of weakness and so it may be necessary at times but it's never normal mm. And so I think in a in a culture where debt is normalized, where one of the greatest fears that especially younger adults have, so millennials, they when they did the test, and I mentioned this on, on the weekend, um, when they did the surveying, they found that one of the top fears is that I will be in debt for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think we just need to establish biblically that debt is not normal. Uh, it is, it's... Uh, it, it's not sinful, particularly, hmm. but it's also not normal. Okay. And neither is it wise to plan to be in debt for the rest of your life. So I think that is a general kind of foundation. And then you, if you look at the Old Testament, you see how God uh, put together the laws that he gave to Moses and the people of God. And what you find is that there is an allowance for debt. For, for debt. You can hmm. borrow money. Um, now, among God's people, they they couldn't they could not charge usurious uh, interest rates. Uh, they they hmm. they had to they those they had to limit their interest rate. The other thing that that was put in place is that uh, there was a limit on the number of years that you had to pay off the debt. So oh, okay. no more than seven years. So that would limit um, borrowing because somebody wouldn't lend to somebody. And then uh, wouldn't lend to somebody if you know it was going to take them ten years to pay off because all of those debts would be forgiven after seven years. Oh, wow. And then you have the year of jubilee where land reverts back to the, the original families and all of that. So there was, so God didn't say don't go in debt. He just made it really really challenging to go into long term debt. Hmm. 
Hmm. And so I think if you were not bound by by the that those were old covenant laws, those were the laws that God got with God's covenant people. Mm-hmm. But but I think we draw wisdom from that. We draw um, an understanding of of God's heart and mind. Uh, I, I really believe God doesn't want his children to be in crippling debt. Hmm. Um, so what kind of debt will cripple? I think there are there's basically, as I see it, um, two or three kinds of debt. Okay. So there is a short-term, uh, um, you know, I owe somebody, they bought me coffee and I said I'd pay them back. Okay. Just pay it back. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, then there is, um, then there's consumer debt where I borrow money for items that depreciate. And that would be in the category of debt that would be absolutely unwise. Mm-hmm. So I, I need, you know, I want to buy a car, I want to buy a fridge, I want to, I want to buy a boat, I want whatever. Sure. The 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 moment you buy it, it's less. It, right. It's worth less than you you paid for it. Now you're indebtedness sometimes exceeds the value and so where you where you are looking at borrowing money for a depreciating item i think wisdom dictates that you actually wait until you have the money Hmm. in most cases um it's not need driven it is desire driven and our desires are not always kind to us Hmm. and uh then the third kind of debt is is debt for appreciable items. So in most, for most of my life, that's meant a house. Um, uh, it's meant student debt would, right. would kind of come into that category where you're investing in an education so that you can make the money. Right. Uh, that would be business where you're borrowing for a business because you have plans. So uh, plans to pay it off. You have plans to make money on that money. Right. So that's... It's that third category of debt where um, it may be prudent to um, take out a mortgage, but even there, you 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 know, people overextend themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They they buy a house that they that is far beyond their needs. They so these days the government has put things in place to limit the amount of debt that you can mortgage, um, you know, given your income and all those kinds of things. So even the government recognizes that, you know, that it's prudent to, uh, to limit because people won't limit themselves often. They're not self-limiting in their, in their approach to what they want. Yes. Generally speaking, generally speaking. So, uh, so God did that for his covenant people in the old Testament. Then, you know, the, the government has put some of those in place. Mm-hmm. When you think about usurious uh, interest rates, that would be credit card debt. That would, you know, if, if you're in the, I don't know what a mortgage debt is, these our mortgage rates are a couple of two, three, four mm-hmm. percent, whatever. And when you have credit cards that are in the 15 to 20 percent rates, yeah. that's just absolutely usurious. That's, uh, it, it is unwise to incur that kind of debt. So is debt wrong? Um, I think sometimes it's it is. I think sometimes we're driven by greed and because of easy credit, um, people get themselves in deeply into debt, and then that becomes um, 
you know, a situation where they can't, they can't focus on, on anything else in life. That becomes a thing that dominates their life. Yeah. I don't think, I'm quite sure, given what I read in the scriptures, that that is outside of God's will for us. He, just, mm-hmm. he actually doesn't want us even to worry about uh, our money. Uh, Jesus said that over and over again. But J- when Jesus talked about it, it was always in the context of, of need. So, you know, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will wear, mm-hmm. uh, just the very basics of life. And I think people generally in our culture don't get into trouble with debt over the absolute needs. They get into trouble with debt over their wants. And their wants often are excessive. Yeah, I mean, and, and I definitely, um, I can speak from personal experience that this is, you know, you know, it's it's really hard to. I mean, I uh, before we came to Saskatoon a couple of years ago and spent, but um, twenty years before that in the Lower Mainland, where um, this is this is a way of life for everyone yes. there. And I know that it's less so here, and I know people are still feeling the the pinch. And, uh, I know that the economy and, and other things are, are obviously impacting, uh, you know, people, but man, it, it, it it's a way of life for so yeah. many people. And I'll admit that, uh, that it's not an easy thing for me either. Right. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, we, we've chosen to, you know, I've, I've chosen to work in, and my wife has chosen to, to be home, has been chosen you know, for the last while, been home with kids. And yep. so, I mean, it's a decision we made, but it really impacts our life in, in financial ways. And, and I know that it's, it's been a challenge to, to keep that yes, figured and out. I think as a family, you have to figure out what you value. So when we were we were living in Calgary uh, right after we got married uh, my job my wife's job paid i don't know two to three times my <laughs> my salary so our strategy then was we bought a house and her income after we mm-hmm. tithed off it went into paying off this house so mm-hmm. that when we left Calgary a few years later um, we we had equity wow so but we we pushed all of her so we decided we're going to live on my salary no kids at the time all right we're going to live on my salary so it was modest uh and um and her salary went after tithes after yeah. generosity yeah. went completely into paying down uh the mortgage wow. and that really helped us mm-hmm. um so that when we we came to Saskatoon we virtually didn't need a mortgage yeah and we were in our late 20s at the time uh then a child came our first child yeah. was born and then um it's like somebody said so, you know you know what does it cost for a child well or they and we and we decide we're going to homeschool as oh, the wow. kids okay. came along okay so they said well what does homeschooling cost my wife said well somewhere around ninety-five thousand a year <laughs> and then people like what right. but that's what she gave up right. in calgary for us to homeschool so yeah. um, she was in in uh, technology. She was an IT specialist. Mm-hmm. So I think you make those decisions, and sometimes there's seasons where you have to do extraordinary things sure. for a short season. I think all of those are factors that uh, kind of you have to weigh out and pray out. I think as as a couple, you pray that through, and you seek God's wisdom, and you seek the counsel of others, and you constantly are checking your heart around mm-hmm. issues of greed of you know, is this, a, am I in competition with friends or neighbors oh, or whatever yeah. in terms of the stuff they have? Yeah. And sure. uh, you have to, 
and we, we have no regrets for investing 13 years into our kids in homeschooling. Wow. Okay. Well, that, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that is, and I mean, to me, that's an inspiring story. And I know we're going to get to this, but that is not a lot of people's stories. Yep. So I don't know if we want to, you know, there's obviously some, some things that we were going to talk about, but I want to, I want to put that out there as, okay, well, let's let's talk about a few things. But when, you know, a lot of us, (laughs) me included, did not make those kind of decisions Mm -hmm. and are not in that position. So let, I think we're going to get there. But Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few other things that maybe we want to talk about as far as, I mean, we talked about mortgage uh, and, and, uh, you know, and and I know that especially historically, we've been, we've been very careful, but, you know, I've, I've known people, again, their mortgage rate changes a half a percent and then they have to default on their mortgage because they have, they were so tightly, you know, um, so, I mean, again, some of these things, you know, well, should we even have a credit card then? Should we have a mortgage? Should we even have a credit card? Right. So I think, again, it comes back to the wisdom around uh, borrowing money for depreciable items. Mm. I say, absolutely do not. (laughs) Like, I think it's just unwise to do that. So I have a credit card Mm -hmm. that in the last 30 years, I missed one payment and it was a timing issue. I just, back in the day, we didn't have the automatically pay it all off every month kind of option. And so I I missed the day by one day and I went and looked at it and I now owed interest on it. So I use my credit card, but I've once in 30 years paid interest. Wow. Uh, So if you, and if you can't do that, then get rid of your credit cards, cut them up. Yeah. Just don't, just use cash, go to a, go to an envelope system where you fill the envelopes up with cash. This is for food. This, so it all is based on pre-planning on discipline. Um, for most of us, it's not that practical to use cash anymore. Sure. So, uh, if you're doing online purchases, you do need something, but I think you just need to be pretty brutal it depends on the vision you have for your life and your finances right so if you want to be in debt for the rest of your life you you can plan for that but if you want to live debt free you can also plan for that sure um and the scriptures would would certainly advocate for moving towards absolutely debt-free living mortgage-free uh and and i think that's more challenging in the early stages of life and marriage sure but i think if your goal is by midlife, by 20 years into, into marriage or, you know, by the time I'm 45 or 50, I want to be debt free. Um, there is a way to get there. I think you're going to need some help. Uh, we do actually through, through Elam have some people who, uh, are, are really ready and able and trained to help people, Mm. uh, navigate that. Uh, we have a gentleman in our church who is just heading into retirement, uh, after a, a career in banking. And, uh, he's taught some of the, you know, some of the courses for us, the budgeting courses mm. at the church. And in talking to Josh, I think we're going to try to engage him again, possibly in the new oh, year. Yeah, that'd be great. So, uh, what I find interesting is that we offer these resources. We've done it for a number of years and very few people actually take it. Mm. So people are really, um, 
feel very pressed by their finances, but finances often are the thing that they don't want to talk to anybody else about until they absolutely, absolutely have to, right. because now a bankruptcy uh, um, counselor is, is 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 calling them, and uh, and then they're really, really interested. Yeah. But um, but we have had some who just wanted the wisdom. They were younger people. They wanted to figure this thing out, and so that there is some really there are some really good resources. We can offer those resources through you. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's amazing because I think that's just, just it. I mean, not that, uh, I think I had mentioned this to Josh the other week. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, if you don't, if I don't open my credit card statement, I don't actually know what's in it, yeah. you know? And, and I think a lot of us, um, a lot of people live through their finances that way. Just sort of, you cross your fingers, you hope right. it's going to be fine. You hope that, you know, you, right. you balance your bills right so that you pay a little bit here, you do a little there. You just kind of keep it right. limping forward as, as right. much as you can. And uh, to actually tackle that is mm-hmm. is hard. Yeah. So I think if you're if you're on the very front end of all of that, putting patterns in place are much easier than changing those patterns after mm-hmm. after a decade. So mm-hmm. I think you know if you if if there's a younger listener um, who's tracking with us on this on this podcast. I'd say if you can start um, in your early 20s, you know, really putting some things in place, Mm -hmm. you're going to, the decisions you make about so many things by the time you're 27, 28 Mm -hmm. will determine how your life is when you're in your 50s. Hmm. So, and that would be in terms of relationships, that would be in terms of decisions, but particularly in the area of finances, the patterns that you establish by the time you're 26, 27, maybe 28 those patterns will determine whether you're going to be in in uh, in a real pinch in your in your midlife, or whether you'll have you'll have some margin and some freedom. Hmm. Well, that's good. So, what happens? I mean, I know we, you mentioned the word bankruptcy. Um, I mean, like, a, which like is there is there a biblical view of of what to do when you're that deep in debt? Yeah. I mean, bankruptcy means that there's been a whole series of uh, decisions you've made and then things that you couldn't control or couldn't foresee. So it's not entirely on the person, but it ends up being on weighing down that person. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, as, as I've talked to people who are in that place where, um, you know, it's a business bankruptcy, it, conditions changed. I think that's a little different than the personal bankruptcy side. Sure. So I don't, and I'm not a financial counselor or advisor, so I don't mm-hmm. want to go there. I think if it's a business bankruptcy, absolutely get, get some help, get a professional in. Yeah. Uh, that's probably true on the personal side too. If you're at the place where, you know, you're, you're talking about bankruptcy, I think that there is a principle Bankruptcy is will leave you with a bad name. Again, back sure. to the book of Proverbs, it says, you know, a good name is to be more desired than, and I forget the exact wording, but it's all about keeping your name and your reputation because in the end, that's what that's all you've got. Right. Yeah. So bankruptcy uh, puts a, a black mark on your name and your credibility. So I heard a fascinating story a number of years ago that kind of stuck with me. It was a person who were they were pressed into a corner they'd made some really bad financial decisions they declared bankruptcy and then they over the period of the next number of years and it took them years they actually paid off all of their creditors even though they didn't have to because they wanted to restore their own credibility and for their own sense of well-being and as a way to honor god 
um, th- that's what they did. Wow. Now, is everybody going to go there? Um, maybe not, but I, I think uh, when I read the story, I thought, good on you. Yeah. That, that's an amazing way to honor God because as a, as a follower of Jesus, your credibility, um, even in the, in your financial decisions and, and, you know, you pay your bills on time, you, you don't leave people hanging, uh, you don't, you know, fight and argue with people over, Mm -hmm. over money. When you violate that, it's a reflection on on the Jesus who lives in you. So I think you you want to be really careful along those lines. It, I think I said it on Sunday. The way that you the people lose trust, the way that relationships break down most quickly, is when there's money involved. Hmm. And so we've made it a practice in our even in our own personal lives that uh, we don't lend people money. We give people money. Wow. So we don't if somebody's in need, we don't say hey well. And we do that with the church. We have an alms fund. We're, we're blessed. Mm. People have been generous to an alms fund. Uh, and we often say, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I need $1,000. Can you lend me $1,000? No, we're not a bank. Uh, we're a church. And in Jesus' name, we want to help people. Right. So we, we hear your story. We want to we come alongside of people who've experienced an emergency, um, you know, uh, the, the primary um, earner in the family gets sick and there's no you know it's those kinds of things and and so we'll come alongside to help but we don't lend because we don't want to kind of be a master over anybody yep well interesting okay i mean uh there was one other separate topic but it actually seems to to me to tie to this really closely so many people um and i'll admit myself included live what feels like paycheck to paycheck. Sure. Not a lot of margin, um, not a lot of extra. And so in some ways, you know, if I could get through a month of going, you know, paying the bills and, and I don't go into debt, then I feel, Hey man, this is, this is a good month. This is, we're, yeah. we're doing well now. Um, you know, we're talking about generosity then. Um, you know, again, for me, sometimes I get through a month and think I paid all my bills. That's all I need. That's what I, I've succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that's actually not the right answer. Right. <laughs> so I'm just wondering about how, like, faced with, uh, you know, you know, again, I was just, I just heard on the news that the, you know, the prairies, people living on the prairies, um, in in the last year, have less money every month than they mm-hmm. did at this time last year. Yeah. Fifty uh, some percent of of people living on the prairies have have less money. So that's a lot of people and yeah. that's and that so what again if we're just trying to make it each month how do we how do we even be generous yeah that's a great question and i've had over the over the years you know people have said i have this desire to to be generous mm-hmm. i i want to i want to tithe i mean i i believe that it's a, you know but but i'm i'm so hard pressed mm-hmm. i come back to uh you know, the kind of the core truth, the foundational truth about money and finances is that God is my source. And I kind of reflected on that both last week and the week before. Mm-hmm. And, and so if, if God is my source, I'm going to, I'm going to honor him with my finances. And so I'm going to find a way to do that. So I think that's why Paul, the genius of Paul in using the Macedonians in second Corinthians eight, and nine, as an example, here were people who had no margin. And yet they found margin, hmm. which is really interesting. And so sometimes it's really challenging for me as a pastor to, to answer the question when somebody says, so how do I do this? How do I, 
how do I tithe and 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 still you know meet all all my needs? And if if I tithe, we're not going to eat. And I'm going, oh, don't put that pressure on me. <laughs> um, but but it's an honest question. So I my counsel is start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So. And and the other foundational principle is that in my generosity, I don't give off what I don't give from what I have left because most of us have nothing left at right. the end of the month. Right. I, I I start with what I have, and I and I'm generous off the top. So mm. you go back to the Old Testament; it's about first fruits, and and it is where the rubber meets the road in terms of do I really trust God? And so when I've said to somebody, start somewhere, mm-hmm. it it might be a you know, at the beginning of the month, when you when you get your paycheck, give something, yeah, and see what God will do, and watch God provide in ways that He hasn't provided. And so, over my life, uh, over the last uh, 35, 40 years, um, we've just practiced that when mm. we've had little and when we've had much, and we've just seen God provide. And I could give you story after story of times when God provided in such unusual ways that um, it just just flabbergasted us. Money that we had no idea was coming came. Mm. Um, but we've just endeavored to be very consistent, whether we had a little or whether we had more, just to honor God. And we've just said 10% off the top goes to God every time. Right. And I know how, I know that's challenging. Mm-hmm. But if you can't if you can't be a ten if you don't have faith for ten, start at one, start at two, start at three, <laughs> yep. uh, start somewhere and yep. see what God will do. And um, anyway, if we had time, I could tell you the stories. But well, yeah, I we're mean, limited. they are they are there, and I agree. Um, sometimes, I mean, we've and again, this isn't financial advice, but it's almost we've had times where the math doesn't make sense. Yeah, like yeah. we gave, but like we should have it shouldn't have worked out financially yep. it shouldn't yeah. have worked out uh and again that's you know that's obviously um th- there is math there somewhere but it just it didn't make sense and yes. uh and and we and again it's something that i agree uh, we have seen seen in our life too um uh and yeah i, I, I we had a, a financial advisor who you know we sat down with our our you know our expenses and they're like let's look at your expenses and see what we can cut. Let's see what we can do. And, and they looked at our numbers and saw this substantial amount of money every month that we were giving right. to the church. And they're like, well, there's some, there's something we could cut right off the top. Right. And that was a non-negotiable. And, uh, and, and again, it's an interesting testament as well to other people to, to, yes. to show that priority as well. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, starting somewhere. And then of course, you know, 10%, you don't have to stop at 10% either. Right, and I think that's why I talked about progressive. So, mm-hmm. as more money comes into your hands, um, you know, sometimes God gives us, and it's you know, it's just cliche of some, you know, when God gives us more money, it's not to raise our standard of living, but mm-hmm. to stay, raise our standard of giving. Mm-hmm. And um, that's and, good. And that's, that's good. Just uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not original to me, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but we've experienced that, and and I, it is a faith thing. Mm-hmm. I you know, money is is really God uses it as a test in our lives, mm-hmm. and if you can trust Him there, it's amazing. Uh, what other things so it's the words of jesus you know if you can't be trusted with worldly wealth who's going to trust you with real wealth Hmm. and that raises a whole we won't get into it in this podcast but that raises a whole series of questions about what real wealth is if money is not the real wealth 
um, what is the real wealth? And if you can't be trusted with monetary wealth, who's going to trust you with the real wealth? That's uh, uh, that's something for another podcast, I'm <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> well, it does. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, I looks. Like, yeah, our time is up, so we 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 should wrap it up. But again, we could so we could tell stories, and we could mm-hmm. we could continue to do that. But uh, thank you, Pastor Mar, for your for your time today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're heading into a new sermon series. I don't know. I mean, we have we have you know source information here, yeah, Pastor Marv. Sure. What are we, what are we heading into? So we're heading into a series. Uh, as I was planning, uh, preaching, planning, I just felt like the whole area of what the Bible says about the mind and about thinking. Mm. So we're going to spend a few weeks just looking at the key passages uh, from the New Testament around um, your thought life mm. and. Uh, so that's where we're going. Awesome. So this coming uh, weekend, it's uh, it's around the war, the, mm. the, the internal war oh that we fight. Goodness. So yeah. Paul's words out of Romans chapter seven: "I want to do what I, you know, don't want to do, and I don't want to do Ugh. what I do, and all oh, those kinds yeah. of things." Yeah. And the war that's fought in the mind over yeah. that. And uh, then we'll get into what peace of mind looks like. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your mind? Mm. Uh, Josh is actually going to handle that one. Awesome. Um, and so anyway, yeah, so the next well, few weeks. Well, looking forward to it. Thanks for your time. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for, doing thanks for sitting through and, and listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks, Carl.